I don't know if you've ever wondered what it'd be like to be able to travel and see all kinds of things and all the great things within the world. By God's grace and opportunity to be a mission, to do mission work, I've been able to go all over the world and see so many different things. I've been at the foot of Mount Kilimanjaro, flown over its peak and being a part of that time. I've stood at the, uh, the headwaters of the Nile. I floated down a boat with two river, great rivers come together and formed the Amazon River and the things that are there. I've stood before the pyramids and what goes on there and being a part of it. I've stood at Victoria Falls and been splashed by the waters as we watch the roaring waters come over it and being a part of it. Like many of you in the United States, I've been to the Grand Canyon and Mount Rushmore and all the things. I've stood in Florida at Cape Canaveral as a rocket took off into outer space. I've stood at the wonder of the stars and the moon and the galaxies that we look at with our eyes and that we can see just from looking and seeing and been in the storms and seen the rainbows and the thunders and the lightnings and all the things that were there being a part of it. But there's something that I've seen that so touched my heart, so changed my perspective of everything else. Things that I knew, things that I had believed had always been true, they didn't change that. But to stand in the sight of an empty tomb, to look inside the walls and to step inside and see nothing. What an amazing sight is nothing. To see nothing is the greatest thing that any of us could ever see because to see nothing means that we have a living Savior. To see nothing means that our Christ arose from the dead, that He came to life to be here. We know the story. Let me just read for you for a moment if you'd stand with me and let me just read a couple, few verses out of Matthew 28. Verses 1 through 6, and then I just want to share a few things with you about what that means, that there's nothing to see there. The Bible says, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. Did you hear that? He's not here. He is risen. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so very much the day that we serve a risen Savior, that we don't have to question in any way the power of our God to meet the needs of our lives. That we don't have to question in any way the power of our God to be able to speak into our hearts and remove the sin of our life when we trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. To give us what we need most of all. To give us day by day your provisions and the things that are there. We have a living God, a living Savior who came to this earth for us. And Father, I thank you for that this morning. And I pray that we'll celebrate that with the wonder and the joy of all that means in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. You know... You know, you know the story. Jesus Christ, God, came to this earth, human form, was born upon this earth. He dwelt upon the earth without sin. He walked across this, the time in which he was in Israel and the things that were part of that. He met people. He changed people's lives and the things that were going on. He lived a sinless life in order that he might become the perfect sacrificial lamb of God that would be able to be sacrificed to God to be able to make it possible for you and for me to have our sins forgiven, to know that we could be the very people of God. He gave himself. He died upon that cross for us. He was buried in a tomb. And he was given up and all the things that were there. But you'll know what we're celebrating today is the fact that he rose from the dead. In his resurrection, he has brought to you and to me the promises of life that are beyond or even being able to speak of in comparison of what God gives us when we receive and accept 
what He does for us in Christ Jesus and all the things that are going on and being a part of that. And so because He is not there, what's that mean for you and for me? What does it mean? I just want to take some time this morning to remind you and, and being a part of what's going on. Because the tomb is empty, because He's not there, you and I know without any question that there is one way of salvation and only one. See, the Bible says that no one can come unto the Father except by Jesus Christ through the Son. It's the only way to get to God is through Christ being a part of it. There's no other name given among mankind whereby we can be saved but by the name of Jesus Christ. We have that confirmed. We don't have to doubt. We don't have to wonder, what about this religion? What about this philosophy? What about that idea? What about this? All of those are vain chasing after the wind. We know because the grave is empty, because it is empty without any trace at all of life that was there, that there is one way of salvation, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only way that we can be right with God. He's the only way that we can be saved. And we don't have to be confused, and we don't have to doubt. We don't have to wonder about anything. There is one means by which you and I can be made right with God because the tomb is empty. We have that verified for us for all time as we look at it because there's nothing to see. You and I know that our sins have been forgiven when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. When I say to Him, I know that I'm a sinner, but I trust what you did upon the cross for me. I believe that your death satisfies God's justice, and I can be forgiven and redeemed from all that it is, and I can know that what God said is true, because there's nothing to see there, I can be forgiven. I don't have to live in guilt. I don't have to live in doubt. I don't have to wonder about what's going on. Because the tomb is empty, I know that the God who promised salvation, the God who promised forgiveness is mine. And I can experience that because there's nothing to see there. See, because there's nothing to see there, I know today beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am a child of the living God. The Bible says that if we believe in Him, He gives to us the authority to be the very children of God. The very children of our God. He tells us that we belong to Him because of what He's done for us. Because there's nothing to see. If, see, if the, if the tomb was filled, if there was still a body there, like there is in every other religious leader, and every other philosopher, and other great leader and political person, all of them are still there. But there's nothing to see in the tomb of my Lord. There's nothing to see in the place where they place Jesus Christ and being a part of it because it's empty. He's not there. He's alive. He's well. And because He's living, he, I know and I understand that I have life and I have it everlasting because there's nothing to see there. You see, we know that the promise He made that we have a home prepared for us in heaven is true. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare that place, I will come again so that where I am there, you may be also. We know that to be true because the tomb's empty. Because there's nothing to see. See, if I went to the tomb and there was something to see, that promise would be gone. There'd be nothing for me to hold on to. There'd be no hope for me whatsoever. But because there's nothing to see, oh, the greatest sight in all the world is nothing. It's nothing to see because He lives. He's alive. He walks with God. He's sitting on the throne of heaven waiting one day because there's nothing to see there. You see, we know He's coming again. He said as he went, he would come again. And we know he's coming again. We know that Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, one day will come to this earth. And all those who have truly put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will be with him and be with him forever and ever and never have to worry about sin, about death, about anything going on with all the pains and all the hurts and all the destruction and all the hard things that we deal with in life. All gone. Because there's nothing to see. See, if there was something to see, the very best we could ever hope for is what we got right now. That's it. Nothing but this. 
But because there's nothing to see, this is nothing compared to what God has for us. Paul said it in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. I don't even consider all the suffering and all the hardships and all the things that I've dealt with in my life, I don't even consider them worthy of thinking about in comparison to what God has prepared for me in Christ Jesus. See, that wouldn't be true if he was still there. That wouldn't be true if the tomb was full. It wouldn't be true if we had a dead Savior, but we don't have a dead Savior. We have a living Savior. We have a Savior who came that you and I might have life. See, because there's nothing to see there, we have everything to gain and nothing to lose. All those people say, oh, it's just a make-believe thing. It's just something that you do to feed your own weaknesses and the things that are there. It doesn't really mean anything. Anything and everything can be a part of it. Well, you see, the problem with that is that if they're wrong, and they are, they've lost everything there is to lose. If I'm wrong and I'm not, I haven't lost anything. Because I've lived a life that was blessed by the living God and the things that are there. We need to understand that because there's nothing to see, you and I have everything to gain. And not a thing that we can lose. Because we have God. We have Christ that dwells within our hearts who has given himself for us that we might live and know and have purpose in all the things that are going on. Because there's nothing to see there, I have the promise that God's not finished yet. I know that God's still working on me. I know that this is not the end of what's going on and being a part of it. I understand that God is doing. Philippians 1.6 tells to me that God starts, whatever God starts, he finishes. He will bring it to completion, whatever he begins. And so that means that God's not finished with you, and He's not finished with me. He's still working on us. He's still doing His work of grace in our lives, and He's still bringing about all the promises that He would do. Because, you see, he does, he's, not, he's a living God. He's an active God. He's a God that's involved day in and day out in every issue of our life and being a part of it because He's alive. He's living because there's nothing to see there. What an amazing thing that is to, to, to be able to know that. I, I, as I said, I've been bewildered by the wonders of this world and the things that I've seen, but I have never stood in a place that I have had my breath taken away. I have never stood in a place where I have felt so humbled and so amazed and so alive as I did at an empty tomb because there wasn't anything to see. Oh, how disappointing I would have been if I'd have looked into that tomb and I'd seen some bones. But I didn't see any bones. Because there's nothing to see there. Nothing. Jesus Christ is alive. He lives today. And he lives in the heart of anyone and everyone who will trust him as Lord and Savior of their life. So, well, I believe in Christ. Well, so does the devil. And the demons, the Bible, book of James says, everybody believes in God, even those who say they don't do. But it's not just believing in God. The Bible is talking about the fact that we have a personal relationship with Christ. There has to be a moment in our lives where we acknowledge that there's nothing that we can do to ever be right with God. There's nothing that we can do to ever be made acceptable before God. But that we ourselves have to confess our sin before Him, trusting that what He did on the cross, that sacrifice that He made of Himself upon the cross when He died there for our sin, that sacrifice was accepted as God made Him to be sin and poured out the very wrath of God upon that sin that you and I would never do, have to stand in that place. Revelation chapter 20, in, in verses 15, in that area, it talks about the great right throne. And it's, it horrifies me to read that and to think about it. Because what it says is there, all the people without Jesus Christ are going to be gathered before God. 
They're going to open up books. They're going to see this book of all the works that you and I like to claim that we're so good at. You know, I, I don't need Christ. I don't need God. I've done all these good works. I've served people and I've done good things. I've never been a bad person. I'm as, anybody who knows me knows I'm a good person. And he's going to look at all those things. And he's going to say, your righteousness is but filthy rags in the comparison to the holiness of God. But that's not what's going to matter the most. He's going to open another book. It's called the book of life. And if your name's not in that book, then the Bible says you'll be cast into an eternal fire of flame with Satan and his demons forever. But because there's nothing to see there, that doesn't have to be true for anyone. Not anyone. See, God's will is that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. His desire is that all people would accept the gift that He's given in Jesus Christ, that love that's so unbelievable, that grace that's beyond compare, that what He has done for us is for you and for me a gift that's available. If all we would do is acknowledge that we needed it and receive it into our lives and accept it, that we would never need fear, that kind of judgment. The Romans 8 one says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to fear that because there's nothing to see there. See, if he was in the tomb, all that you and I could ever hope for would be to stand before God in condemnation and judgment. That's all we could ever hope for. Because he's holy and we're sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not even one person that's seeking after righteousness, not one. We all deserve to die. The wages of sin is death. But, because there's nothing to see there, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. See, that's ours because there's nothing to see because he's not there. He's alive. He's real. We celebrate Easter not just because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, which is the glorious and glorious truth of all eternity, but because that resurrection, because that empty tomb means that you and I can have everlasting life means that you and I can have peace that passes understanding. It means that you and I can have joy that's unspeakable. It means that you and I can have the strength and the power to face whatever we need to deal with because we have the living God, the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. It means that you and I can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that death has been defeated, the grave has been unshackled, that we have nothing to fear because there's nothing to see there. The grave has no power. Death cannot contain us. We've been set free from all of its fear and all that it has in Christ Jesus because we too one day will stand with Him in resurrection in a body that He has prepared for all eternity as the very children of God. His resurrection was just the first, just the symbol to say that all the graves of His children will one day be the same. There'll be nothing to see there. Because we won't be there. We'll be with Him. In a place that He's prepared for us. Who know Him as Lord and Savior of our lives. That's what Easter's about. It's about understanding that all that that went through. All that story. All the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Every single bit of it. Is about God loving us so very much. That He was willing to do whatever it would take. To make it possible. For us to be forgiven of our sins. And to be able to stand in His presence acceptable, pure, and holy because of His work in Christ Jesus. And how do I know that's true? Because there's nothing to see there. I've been there, and there's nothing there to see. He sits at the right hand of my Father waiting for God to say, Go get your people. 
and then we're going to go. And what a day it's going to be when we stand face to face with Christ our Savior, the one who did all this for us, the living Savior, the reigning Savior, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. I pray this morning that you know who he is, not just by the knowledge of your mind, but in the depth of your heart, that you have genuinely taken that step when you said, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need a Savior. It's not about church attendance. It doesn't matter which church you belong to. It's not about how many times you can quote, how much scripture you can quote or how many times you've been baptized or whatever else you want to throw out there. Those are all religious things. It's about you meeting Jesus Christ personally and having a relationship with him by inviting him to forgive you of your sin and to come into your life and be your Savior and your Lord. When you do that, he says, whosoever, that's where you put your name, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's promise. He couldn't make that promise if there was someone still in the tomb. But there's not. And because there's not, you and I can be saved. You and I can have an eternal relationship with God the Father. We can know that we know that we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus, that he holds us in his hands, and nothing can remove us from the grip that he has upon our salvation. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we come to this moment of invitation time, we come knowing that most of the people gathered here, and maybe even viewing, probably have had an encounter with Christ, but God, I don't know who they are. A lot of us claim our church membership as our salvation and know that we know that's wrong and false and it means nothing. Some of us claim to be good and we've lived a good life as anybody else and so we're hoping that that'll be good enough. We hope our good outweighs our bad and the problem with that is even if it did, it wouldn't matter because if we've even done one thing wrong, that means we've sinned. And there's only one person that never did anything wrong and his name's Jesus. So we're all needing a Savior. And I pray, Father, this morning that we all have you as our Savior, that we've all understood that that empty tomb means that what God said needed to be done, that sin had to be paid for, that justice had to be satisfied, that holiness had to be met, has been done in Christ Jesus. And, and we know that it was acceptable to you as a sacrifice. We know that you received it because he lives. There's nothing to see there. Because there's nothing to see, the sacrifice was acceptable. It was one that you took to heart, and now you offer all of us all that it means in our lives. So, Father, I pray this morning, if someone has held on to whatever excuses they've made and whatever reasons they've made for not letting you be their Savior and their Lord, that you would shatter those excuses and those reasons this morning, and you'd cause them to put their faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Father, I pray that those of us who know you would rejoice together again, not only because we have the chance to be together in church after a long time of issues, but because we have the chance to know that we are a people who are made who we are because we have a living Savior, because we serve one who's not in a tomb but on a throne, because we have the God of the universe who spoke all things into being as the one who has spoken into our lives eternal life and forgiveness. Father, just as we take this time of invitation, if there's something that you need to do in any of our hearts, in any of our lives, if there's something we need to respond to, then I pray we'll say yes, and we'll do exactly what it is you ask us to do in Christ's name.